What's good, everybody? Welcome back to the 104.6 Amber One Podcast. This is my 10th episode. Uh, again, thank you to everybody who has supported and has shown me love. 10 episodes down and a long way to go from here. Only way is up from this point. Uh, I just wanted to give a personal and actual like, really big shout out to a good friend of mine, Danny Santiago. I mentioned him a couple of episodes ago with my friend Mike. He actually reached out to me today in his busy schedule and managed to... Uh, Managed to make my day, man. Um, he reached out and told me he was really proud of me. He was really happy for all the things that I've been uh, knocking through in my life, you know, with the with the car and then with the podcast and everything like that. And uh, Danny really made me feel special. Danny made me feel like, you know, I made an impact in his life just from doing this podcast. And I, I couldn't be happier. I mean, I couldn't be more blessed and sincerely appreciate the uh, the praise that he was really giving me. In a lot of ways, Danny was giving me further motivation than I already had and for him telling me that I was his light under his ass or excuse me the fire under his ass I don't want to see what's under your ass Danny I love you but not like that um I really sincerely like I said I appreciate it it's things like that it's messages like that that I've received from a handful of my actual good friends that mean the world to me I mean Danny wants to start his own podcast Danny and me have very similar mindsets we have similar personalities I mean Danny is gorgeous, don't get me wrong. Danny, when you listen to this eventually, I need you to know. You're one pretty-ass dude, bro. So I uh, I really, really, really just wanted to say thank you to that. I wanted to make that my main focus. A big reason why I'm recording a few days early or a day early is because he really got me in the mindset and in the mood to go out and make an episode today. Just knowing that my voice and my uh, my grind is reaching people back home and you know getting to people to to say yo let me go and chase this dream it's like I said in my very first couple of episodes to anybody out there that wants to do something anybody out there that feels that it's too late for them to do something I say fuck that go chase those dreams go and make sure that those dreams become reality again this podcast is a simple hobby That one day hopefully will take off and if not it doesn't even matter because this right here makes me happier than anything out there. I just love what I do. I know that I'm good at it and people backing me and supporting me and messaging me, DMing me, telling me I could do things and hopefully get this thing going further. It really does. I can't even express how good it makes me feel on the day to day. And with that being said, today's episode is going to be about sneakers Shout out to a friend of mine, Kayla, who I mentioned, I believe, in a couple of episodes or, you know, one or two episodes in the beginning. She gave me the idea. Uh, I wanted to do this episode with a a handful of guests, a couple of guests. I couldn't really put my mind on it or really get uh, what it is that I wanted out of it. And I really just figured I'd wing it for now and I can go into further depth another day. I mean, sneakers are really timeless. Sneakers are endless. So I could really bring any of my friends um, uh, to any of y'all that are listening whether that's Big Rob or Jared or anybody out there that worked at Nike with me that knows their stuff, you know, Big Fred, Marquez, you know, Ricky, anybody that want to jump on. Mike, again, you're always welcome, like I said. Uh, I just, you know, I wanted to do this, like I said, with somebody, but the urge kind of took over, and I said I haven't talked about that addiction. I mentioned it last episode and a few episodes ago with the Air Forces, so here goes. When I was a little kid growing up in the Bronx, um, as a lot of you know, most of my listeners are from back home. Uh, shoe game is everything. Style is everything. Like, and I mean everything. 
you walking up in any school, Catholic, public, high school, college, and you walk in somewhere with some raggedy shoes and try to chop somebody up, <laughs> or you try to try to start and talk to a female, it more than likely not gonna happen. You must have, you gotta have some form of game to really pull somebody or to to make a statement. You know what I'm saying? Like shoe game spoke volume up north. Down here, not as much. I mean. On the East Coast in Miami, yeah, I mean it, it's it's out there, but it's nowhere near as prominent as it is up north. And that goes for the tri-state because I know I've been to Connecticut and I've seen people wear heat. I've gotten to Jersey and seen people wear heat. You know, I've never been to the West Coast, but I follow a lot of sneakerheads on social medias, and a lot of them are out there as well. So I mean, I wanted to give a big shout out to my pops. Um, he really got me and my little brother into the game. Early in life, I mean, my dad started his sneaker addiction when he was in his early teens. Um, my dad got into the buying and reselling of Jordans by the case. And before you know it, that became an addiction. And even before then, it was uh, some Nike Cortezes that he got in high school that he fell in love with, that he busted his ass for doing the paper out, working at a butcher shop. You know what I'm saying? Like, my dad did a lot of things. And he went and got the shoes that he always, that he wanted, you know? Like, my grandparents didn't have a lot of money back then. So he had to really go out there and do what he needed to do to go get what he wanted. Uh, shout out to my grandparents. Um, raising both my parents at the time that they did, at the place that they did, with the struggles that they had to overcome. And then that led to me and my brother becoming the men that we are today. So without them, I know for a fact we would not be here. Um, anyway, <laughs> sorry, got off on a tangent as per usual. But the sneakers really started at an early age, man. I mean, as early as, I want to say, four at Kitty College. That was a sort of like a daycare to a certain extent. Kind of not. But it was something before I went to pre-K and preschool that my parents kind of put me in to start an earlier education. And even there, I saw people coming out with not just regular sneakers, man. I mean, we had four or five-year-olds with just straight heat on their feet. Parents putting them in Jordans. Parents putting them in the coolest Nikes. Uh, cool sweatpants. You know what I'm saying? Like, kids just had heat. Even in the most broke neighborhoods. You know what I'm saying? Kids always look flea. It's just... It, it is what it is. I didn't come from a very, very poor place. But you could always see kids rocking heat. And then, you know, going and visiting family. Kids just at all times. Like, there was not a kid... Well, I shouldn't say there was not a kid. There was definitely a handful of kids that never, ever, ever looked like they was wearing something out of Payless. You know what I'm saying? There was never a kid that looked like he was rocking something fresh out of Walmart. There was always something cool. And I saw that growing up, and I was like, damn, that kid got some cool shoes. That kid got some cool shoes. And when I was little, I had my own cool shoes. But you know kids, you know what I'm saying? Like we was... <laughs> we was always beating shoes up. We was focused on the playground. We was focused on being outside. We was focused on just hanging out and being around our friends. So, like, I didn't take care of my sneakers. So, that kind of cut when I was around 9 or 10. But before that, I got a little story. Uh, we always lived in apartments back home in the Bronx. And we always had a third bedroom dedicated to my dad's sports memorabilia and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, sports memorabilia, sneakers, just things and his hobbies that he collected. So there was a point that I went into one of them. I don't remember which apartment it was, but at, at one point I walked in and my dad was trying to pick out what sneakers he wanted to wear for the day. I don't remember if it was a weekend or if he was off or, or whatever. The point is I went into the room and my dad was just sitting there kind of looking and obviously boxes stacked all the way. And I mean, I'm not exaggerating to the ceiling. I was short, but I know for a fact shoes touched the ceiling of the room. Like, my dad had hundreds on sh hundreds of shoes. He just had options. 
So I remember when I was little, he'd be like, all right, so what, what shoes should I wear today? And I would point a random box and he'd match a fit to it. I don't remember what he picked that particular day, but it's the point. My dad always had heat. My dad had me and my brother in heat up until a point where it got too expensive because we weren't taking care of it. And like I said, it got to about when I got 10 years old where it was like, all right, now you're past like toddler and preschool shoes. These grade school shoes, these J's, these nice Nikes are getting a little too expensive. You need to show me that you're going to take care of your sneakers and then we're going to get you some nice sneakers. In between that time, I did shop at Payless. Obviously, aside from like school dress shoes, I went through that phase of just having some some beat up sketchers. I didn't know any better. You know what I'm saying? Like I was just like sneakers or sneakers. I wanted good sneakers, but when I would ask for them, I knew that I wasn't going to get them because they were expensive. So at that point, I was like, I put enough. I put two and two together to know that if I wasn't going to get what I wanted, I know that I wasn't going to take care of what I wanted anyway. So let me just get what I can get because I'm just going to rag them and beat them up anyway. You know what I'm saying? At, at nine, 10, 11 years old, you're not really focused on trying to look as flea as possible, at least in my mind. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I know I just said kids at that time were, but I just, I was in a different place mentally. I was always the weirder kid. I was always the awkward kid. I knew everybody and I knew I could sit at lunch with anybody, but it was the point like I was always that different kid. So I knew that I appreciated the sneakers, but I didn't care if I didn't get them until I got to that seventh grade, 12 year old, 13 year old mark where I was like, oh man, females. Oh man, I really look terrible. Oh man, I need a shape up. Like until I started becoming that preteen teenager status, I'm, I'm a lot of people are going to say, Kev, it took you that long to realize. Yes. Yes, it did. I was the kid rocking the Skechers with the white socks and the freaking the the extra baggy boot cut jeans because that's what was that JC Penny, you know what I'm saying? With the with the plaid button down tops on dress down day for two dollars, you know what I'm saying? Like I was just I was that guy. I didn't realize it. I didn't know. I got made fun of and bullied for a various amount of reasons. I am definitely sure. Dressing the way that I did was one of the reasons. I set myself up. I set myself up for failure. It is what it is. But I remember when I turned about 12 or 13, my dad got me these cool black and red shocks, these Nike shocks. Probably one of the most uncomfortable shoes I've ever had in my life, but they were cool. You know what I'm saying? They looked really good. And then I didn't want to wear them. And I'll never forget, I wore them maybe five times only to go to like family functions or like maybe one dress down day where I swore and promised my dad I wouldn't play at recess. And I didn't. There was actually a recess one time where I took off my cool shoes and I put them in a corner hoping nobody would take them so I could play and in recess. Yeah, it was not, not the smartest decision on my part. They were still there, luckily, because, you know, I was young, but nowadays not the smartest decision. But uh, I, I only wore them about four or five times and I outgrew them. I am a size 10 in majority, if not all my shoes. And I look here like, to my right next to my bed and I got stacks. My girlfriend can atone to it. My boys can atone to it. If you see my crib, um, I got shoes that literally stick out of my closet and I have a stack of shoes underneath my dress shirts and all my stuff in my closet. And then I have shoes on a shoe rack in front of my window. I got shoes and my foyer and my crib and my house with my parents and I got shoes all under my bed. I mean like stacked on top of each other. Like majority of the bed has about 20 shoes on the bottom. It's got another 20, 25 shoes on the top of that. I got about 40, 50 shoes next to it. I got about 10, 10, 11 pairs on this rack. So I got about roughly about 150 sneakers. I've given a lot of weight to my brother and my pops, but 
the point I'm trying to get at is shoes have been in my blood since before I was born. The Valentins have always had one thing that we stick to. For my dad, it was shoes and sports memorabilia. For me, it's sneakers. Um, and like I said, a, a number of times in multiple episodes, I collect fitted hats. I collect sneakers. I collect jerseys. Um, I collect pops. So, I mean, I got it. You know what I'm saying? I like to collect shit, too. But the sneaker portion really started to build when I hit eighth grade because then I realized I was now in like an adult size. I had just hit that. No. No, it was definitely still seventh grade because I hit that seven, that men's seven, that transition of, yo, he's still in that. I don't know. My feet grew really slow. And then when I hit high school, I grew like two sizes and then it stopped at 10. But anyway, I hit that seven mark. Right. And I was like, yo, I really cannot afford a men's shoe. I was in that awkward stage of trying to squeeze into my old shoes. But at the same time, I was trying to like fit into some of my dad's shoes. Obviously, I did not fit in any of them, but I swore to myself. I was like, I'm a man's shoe. I'm in a man's shoe. I could fit, Pop. I could fit. It, it never fit. Like, I again, I didn't put two and two together. I'm a late bloomer to say the least. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I didn't really get a lot of the shoes that I wanted because at that point now, I had a little brother. He had to go to school. You know what I'm saying? I was doing karate. And I had some other side things that I was doing with sports and then sports camp. So, like, I just had to deal with whatever Christmas money I had. And I would try to buy a pair or two here and there. You know, I would try to find something. I'm pretty sure I got some Karam Butlers when I turned 14. And I went my freshman year of high school uh, with the double strap. I got them from Foot Locker. And I learned a valuable lesson in that store because I was I was so happy. Sorry, I don't know why this just double cut. Um literally i don't know what it is the screen literally just stopped recording so this is me continuing <laughs> um the karam butlers that i got from Foot Locker, i learned a valuable lesson in that Foot Locker. so i saved up money from christmas and my birthday obviously my birthday being in the middle of the year in july um and then christmas all the way at the end i didn't really spend a lot of money because i didn't really go to a lot of places i went into a Foot Locker in a mall i believe in jersey and I was with my parents and I went in and my dad was like, yo, you have money. Like, you want to buy something? I was like, yeah, I want to go to Foot Locker. I want to see what they got. So I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. I remember one of my friends had these shoes on and I was like, yo, these bitches fire, bro. I'll never forget white patent leather and navy blue, literally the double strap over the top and the laces underneath. Um, I wish I could show you guys one day when I do get my live stream, I will probably Google it and then put it up for you. But these Karan Butlers cost me like a buck 20, if not a buck 10. And my dad was trying to tell me, like, yo, maybe you buy them a half size bigger so you can, you know, grow into them and enjoy them versus, like, getting that perfect fit right then and there. I'm pretty sure at that point I was, like, uh, an eight, eight and a half or something. But I just, I wasn't listening to my dad because I felt like, yo, I want to buy my own shoes. I want to do my own shit when I want to. And, you know, as a salesman, me being in footwear from Nike and at Dick's Sporting Goods, um, I know this now. You got to get these a little these little additional sales, you know, sell someone a pair of socks, a pair of insoles, uh, some laces, whatever, right? So my 13, 14-year-old self walks in there. Hey, I'm just looking around, yada, yada, yada. My dad's on my side. No one's really going to step up to a kid when they're with their parent. And then I kind of drifted away. And then they saw Easy Market. You know what I'm saying? They saw, yo, I'm going to go get this kid. So walked up to me. This girl told me, yo, there's these insoles that make it more comfortable. You're going to try to hoop in these. I was like, no, not really. Like, oh, but like, it seems like you're going to wear them a lot the way you're like trying them on and looking in the mirror. Blah, blah, blah. She convinced me to buy some like $25 insoles. And then she convinced me to buy some laces. 
when I walked out, I knew my dad was right because instead of spending the 115, 120, 125, whatever it is with taxes, I ended up walking out of there spending like 150 because the insoles were like 20 bucks and then the laces were like five bucks or whatever they were plus tax. You know what I'm saying? Like I ended up spending way more money than I wanted to. And at that age, I felt like I didn't want to tell the girl no. I was like, oh, she's just doing a job. She's being real nice. She's really trying to help me. And I was awkward. I didn't have the big mouth that I do now funny right you figure someone as loud and obnoxious as me would have been that way my whole life but I again I didn't really learn how to do what I do or say the things that I say until I was a little older so when I got all of that and I walked out my dad looked at me and he was like yo how do you feel you just you know you just got bamboozled <laughs> I was like damn you I was like you right and he was like what I was like you right dad I, sh I should have listened I should have just like kind of nicked it in the ass before she really got a chance and he was like exactly their job is to sell you shit they do not give a fuck what you actually want to buy. They're always going to tell you what you want to hear and then always try to ask some extra shit. Oh, buy a t-shirt. It looks great. Oh, buy these shoelaces. Buy these insoles. He goes, now you stuck with insoles. Now you stuck with these laces. And these laces don't even match. I don't know why. So check this out, right? So I bought these white and navy blue shoes. And then I went and bought royal blue laces. I don't know why. I swear to God, I thought it matched at one point. Maybe it was the light. Maybe I was fucked up. Again, I was 13, 14, so I was not fucked up. But it's the point. I just fell for the whole scheme, and she got me real good. But I wore those shits to the grave. I really did. Not to the grave, to the ground. I loved those sneakers. I hooped in them. I went out in them before I beat the shit out of them, but they were patent leather, so it was really hard to keep them clean. Um, but I did take a pretty good job. I did take a pretty can't speak today i took pretty good care of them until the actual point in which i started hooping in them and i was like fuck it i'm pretty sure they made it to almost sophomore year right before i became a size 10 like i said those were like an eight eight and a half i, I really wore them until i couldn't i took the insoles out i tried to fit into them when i couldn't and then it was like I, I i maximized it i got my value out of it and it taught me a big lesson there to say yo damn those shoes lasted me a long ass time. Those shoes were dope and I loved wearing them every second. And then right after that, that's when I bought the Air Forces and then I really worked for it. And after that, it, it just continued. I remember I bought myself a pair of half cent Penny Hardaways. I wanted the great plant, the eggplant foams. I saw one of my friends in high school wearing them and I saw these at this place called Basic Footwear in Bay Plaza. Where they don't have, I don't know if they do anymore, but they they did not have sales tax on top of it for whatever reason. So if shoes were $89.99, then bitches was $89.99. <laughs> so I went in there, I dropped like a buck fifty on there, on, on those. I, again, this is all post, um, this is all post Air Force One. So I'm 15 at this point. I'm a size 10. I know I'm skipping around, but it's like I'm trying to get to the point of where I really like got excited when I had a little bit, a little bit of a rotation in high school. And then my dad got these East Bay catalogs. I was always looking through them, always wanting shoes, yada, yada, yada. Again, working at Maestro's Catering Hall, making a little bit of chump change that I did. Saved up every penny to buy a new pair of shoes whenever I had the money, right? So I had the Air Forces. I had some other sh shoes from Jim. Um, pretty sure I had another pair of Nikes. I can't remember off the top of my head. Fuck, man. But I know I had at least four at this point. Then I bought the, the Half Sense. And when I bought the half cents, I was about about five pairs. And then right after that, I'm pretty sure I ordered the Air Max Wavies that are 
to this day still in my house. I gave them to my brother because the green started to fade and I was like, I don't really wear them anymore. They were kind of, you know, faded and then I didn't have a box for them. I'm very meticulous. The only shoes that are not in the box in my room are shoes that I wear on the regular. There's no point in taking a box out. There's no point in having them buried if I wear them regularly and they kind of not stink, but like I don't want to, I'm very big into like letting my shoes air dry. I wait about 24 hours, let them air dry, put them back in the box nice and neat. I'm very meticulous. I'm very anal. Make fun of me. Talk shit. I don't care. It's worked. Some of these shoes I've had since high school and I still wear them. Like sneakers are just my passion. So I bought these Air Max Wavies off of East Bay and I had them on like a promo 15% off. So they were only like 70 bucks. I got them for like maybe like, I don't know, 58, 60 bucks, something like that. And when they came in the mail, I was happy as shit. I was like, yo, I finally ordered off the catalog, gave my pops the cash. I was hyped. I was like, yo, I'm 15, 16. I'm rolling with a little bit of money right now. You feel me? Like I was, I was the cool kid. And then I got this job at a, uh, at a, at a, at a I9 Sports. I was, I used to be a, count, a, a camper there, a sporting facility that we were at Maritime College in Throgs Neck. And it was basketball, soccer, and football camps every summer from July all the way through August. Six or seven weeks. And we got to use the pool, we got to use the football field, we got to use the basketball courts, the outdoor courts, everything, man. It was dope. No regrets. Shout out to everybody I met at I-9. Shout out to all the lessons I learned. Everything. All the people I met. Shout out to JP. Um, You know what I'm saying? Just amazing, amazing vibes. Just so much fun. And when I got there, it was... I was finally a coach. I think I was 16 and I was turning 17 and I was an assistant coach and we got paid after every camp. So basketball camp was three weeks and football camp was three weeks. And then whatever tips the parents felt like giving us. So eight to five, take the train or take the bus with my little brother, get to work. He's his camper. I'm doing my thing. We can never, I could never coach my brothers. I can never be a coach on my brother's group. Because I don't, I think siblings weren't allowed to be on the same thing or whatever. But anyway, so like at this point, I'm 16, 17, I'm about to be a junior in high school, and I go out and what do I do, right? I'm dumb. My pop starts finding Jordans left and right. Leo, this is when my dad got right back into selling Jordans. Yo, I got these Cherry 13s, a buck 50. Boom, dead stock. My pop gave them to me. Nine and a half. 13s, I could get a nine and a half, 10, depending on what cut and what year. Um, for those of you that aren't aware, Jordans have been around since 1984-85. It really depends on the actual authenticity of which one you're referring to. The first ones came out in 85, but the design was originated in 84. Um, it's They are, how do I word this properly or politically? They are one of the most iconic shoes on the face of the earth. Jordan has been around, like I said, since the 80s, and they are very, very, very well known no matter where you go. I mean, internationally, anywhere. They go from the Jordan 1s, they're up to the 34s, they have side Jordans, they have the flights, the true flights, they have running shoes now, they have training shoes now, they've branched off, and they got slides, I mean, you name it, they got it. Jordan has become its own official brand, and it's pretty dope, so... My dad was just, you know, finding these shoes here, finding these shoes there. I was finding some shoes on my own. I was copping a couple of pairs here, you know, trying to see about trading and reselling and all this stuff. And I met friends in high school. Shout out to John Kushaka. Shout out to um, 
Steve Velasquez, shout out to all the people, Anthony Delgado, uh, Ryan Paredes, uh, John Quinones, like everybody, just, just kids had kicks. Everybody had heat in my high school. Salesian High School, a lot of people just roaming around, roaming around with heat on their feet. You know what I'm saying? Like, shout out to Donovan Cortese. Shout out to, oh my goodness, the, the list really goes on. People just had heat for days. Shout out to Giorgio Campo, who wasn't exactly a sneakerhead back in the beginning of high school, but now has more shoes than I do. He's really blown up, and he goes he goes out there, and he camps out. He get, He's got the connections. I mean, he's got the SBs. He's got the vans. He has really, really, really gone out there and just become a, a sneaker connoisseur. I really fucks with him for that. I haven't spoken to George in a while, but you know, if you ever hear the message, you are definitely, definitely much appreciated for the from the community standpoint and as a friend. Always been a good person. Um, but yeah, like everybody had kicks, man. Like my high school was dope. So when I got to pull my kicks out and wear them at gym, when I got to pull my kicks out and I got to wear them, you know. Before I go to school, the cool thing was everybody had like their kicks and their and their and their hats and stuff. And I went to a Catholic all boys high school, so it was like we had to wear our dress shoes. People would wear their kicks, put them in their lockers, and then change them to their kicks and go chill with their girls, go to other schools and hang out. You know what I'm saying? Like whatever it had to be. But at that point, I was already well engulfed and well hooked in the sneakers. Like seeing them everywhere, copping pairs of my own here and there, doing what I had to do, cop those cherries over the summer. So I was like going into junior year, going into senior year. I had I had kicks, you know what I'm saying? It was dope. It was cool. I felt like an adult. I had a job, uh, quit my Astros. Like I said, I just had the summer job and I made more money at that summer job. I felt like than at my Astros working 12, 13, 14 hours to make like 10 bucks, 20 bucks in a night. And then that paycheck was like $55 or whatever it was. Trash. So... I was just having a good time, man. I was blowing my money. Whatever money. Yo, I was blowing through my money. I was 16, 17, and I thought I was rich. I was like, yo, I'm going to go to the pizzeria. I'm going to do this. Yo, I'm going to go buy these shirts over here. Yo, y'all want to go to the mall? I'm going to go to Polo. Yo, y'all want to go to Bay Plaza? Just <laughs> To anybody out there that is of a younger age that is going through financial struggles, we have all been there. You're probably wondering, yo, I had like $800 in my account. Two weeks ago, I got like a hundred. What the hell happened? You probably went shopping. You probably bought a bunch of shit you didn't need. You probably took a couple of females out you didn't want to or didn't need to, but you did because you wanted to flex your bread. I'm just saying, we've all been there, and <laughs> we've all blown stacks of money that we thought were endless. And of course, we had to learn the hard way. When that bank hit zero or that cash flow suddenly hit a little dry spell, it was, oh shit. Now how am I gonna make it through the rest of the year? I got to wait till my birthday. I got to wait till Christmas to get that restock. Or I got to wait till camp comes back to get my paycheck. Not all of us can have bread like Steve. Shout out to Steve again. Get the Pradas out there walking around. For those of you that don't know, Prada got some dope ass dress shoes. To this day, still clean as shit. Stevie got those. Uh, and I think another friend of ours had a transfer. Uh, Kerry. Kerry had them too, but only, you know what I'm saying, only specific people had heat like that, people had the connects, people had a side hustle, people had money, or you know, mom and dad were a little bit more fortunate, but nevertheless, gotta respect the game, so, um, people just had heat everywhere, man, it was dope, it's a normal thing up there, it is a, it's a way of life, it's a culture, and I love it, I came out here, and I was dressed in the way that I did, and you know, outfits, fitteds, Jordans, seeing everybody out here in Sperry's. I was like, yo, what the fuck is this? I said, yo, this, this this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. 
I said, what is that, a boat shoe? Mind you, we ain't, we ain't got no more fucking boats in the Bronx, bro. Like, <laughs> City Island, I guess. Long Island. The ferries out in Manhattan, you know what I'm saying? Like, people that had boats were a little bit on the richer side. And I don't know, just to me, anybody that had boating shoes was of a wealthier breed. You know what I'm saying? It just, it is what it is. But that was like the norm here or just sandals or bare feet. I swear to God, I I had a guy in my stats class when I first got here, one of the first classes I ever took at FGCU and he was barefoot. Every class had no shoes on, not once. Disgusting. Like, I felt like I was in the twilight zone because of how I am and where I'd come from. (laughs) The fact that this grown ass man would have like two books in his hand. He had like, like super messy, like long blonde hair, put it in a ponytail, walk in class barefoot. I thought it was a joke. I I, I really was waiting for him to say, no, I'm just kidding. He was going to grab his shoes like from the hallway or he was going to like come back in and like do it over and make a prank. No, it was it was a daily thing. Every Tuesday and Thursday had stats at eight in the morning. And every Tuesday and Thursday in the morning, whatever his name was, came in that classroom fucking barefoot. I failed the class. He passed the class. So maybe, you know, maybe there was something in talking to nature. I, I have no idea. But yeah, he amongst others were just different but I was labeled the outcast I was labeled the weird guy I was like I don't understand how I'm weird when you guys are all kind of walking around with like no shoes on your feet I mean I get it's hot but damn like yeah really just walking around and slides not even slides bro they they were like costas costas whatever they are like the the reef sandals like the sandals you find in JCPenney or the sandals that you find in certain like clothing stores that they just I I really don't know. Or like PacSun, one with the bottle openers on the bottom. That's just the trend here. That's just the way of life in this particular area. And it took me a long time to accept it. You know, I really ended up seeing that I gravitated towards the African American culture like here just because I felt like outcasted. Like those were the only people that I felt myself around. And I know that sounds messed up, but that's not what it was. It was like I only felt like I could relate when I saw somebody with a pair of J's on, I only felt like I could talk to somebody that has some fresh Nikes on. You know what I'm saying? Because I just, I didn't get a vibe off of anybody else. I just, I didn't relate to anybody else. Shout out to my friend Garvey. Uh, I met him at the FGCU bus loop and he was wearing taxis. Taxi 12s. And uh, ironically enough, he ended up telling me he was from Boston. Screw Boston. But... A friendship, a lifelong friendship started there over sneakers. That's what I'm saying. Like, he was my first friend in Fort Myers. And with that, he introduced me to a lot of other people that ended up being from up north. You know what I'm saying? I ended up meeting our friend David from Florida and and, uh, and Ryan from Florida. I know I'm, I just said, New York, like, up north. But, like, and then his twin brother, Garvey's twin brother, Garvin, you know, they both from Boston. They both had sneakers. They was both younger or should I say they were they're both older than me but like they were at that younger stage like they understood where I was coming from they were like yo no that's not prominent out here you really don't have to like go to parties in like in like Lehigh and like downtown Fort Myers you're gonna see some shoe game but like people like myself just they did not really exist out here you know city people were not normal here and it just it felt a little weird 
I definitely felt outcasted. And whenever I did see somebody with some J's on, I always had my headphones in. I made it my business to be like, yo, and kicks is fire. Like, yo, where'd you cop those at? Or like, yo, that fit is dope. You know what I'm saying? I was just trying to make connections, trying to find people that I could relate to. And ironic, again, ironically enough, it ended up being Spanish people or just black people. Because like, no, I didn't really see a lot of white people with, with, with shoe game down here. And it has nothing to do with race. It's just the point of that is the culture of people I ended up gravitating towards because of who I was and them telling me, yo, people don't really do that out here, bro. You are like one of like hundreds. (laughs) You are definitely not going to fit in with a lot of people here. And it, it was true. I didn't really make a lot of friends at FGCU. I met a lot of people, got a lot of acquaintances, but. Sneakers just found me friendships, and that's when I got into Dick Sporting Goods, and I got a job in footwear, and I didn't run the department, but I mean, like, I ended up learning so much from my mentor, Al, who ended up owning or working for a Fancy Feet, uh, another type of shoe store out here, and he taught me a lot about running shoes, the technology behind it, the units behind it, the culture behind it, the foundation. I mean, I thought I knew a lot about just kicks and rocking them in their origins this man knew about the tech inside it the tech that makes it the machines that make it lacing methods everything 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 you could name it the man knows he's like google for shoes he's not gonna know about jordans like that or like the hottest trends in sneakers but i mean like he could look at a shoe and be like oh that's made of polyester or like that's definitely made of like synthetic rubber you know what i'm saying like he just he knows and I learned a lot from him, and I took that, and I ran with it. I ended up transferring over. Not transferring, but I got another job. that got into Nike, and forget about it. For fucking get about it. A sneakerhead work, working for Nike? Yo. It was a wrap. It was a wrap. I did not know how to control myself. My first year there, I was buying sneakers on the weekly. Within my first two months, I bought like eight pairs of sneakers. Unnecessarily. Completely Unnecessary. Second, I seen a pair of shoes that came in and it was under retail. <laughs> Over. I didn't even let the shoe hit the floor. I said, yo, put that on the side. Put that on the side. Back when we had employee holds. I see, I'm a cop this. I'm a cop this. I'm a cop this. Or put that on hold till we get paid. Put that on hold till we get paid. Let's hide this pair over here. It was, it was, it was awful. It was awful for my bank account, but great for my sanity because I just loved being surrounded by kicks like working in footwear was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me not only did I learn a lot I met a lot of people through both jobs and I just I found people that shared the culture like I mentioned these people earlier I I met my boy Rob guy from Maryland just love kicks you know what I'm saying knows the style really appreciates it Met my boy Jared from the east coast Fort Lauderdale Miami area he loves and appreciates kicks big Fred He's from this side, but he just, he knows his shit. Not only from working at Nike, but just having interest in Jordans and LeBrons and all these other things. Just, we really found, or should I say, I found a lot of common ground with my coworkers. I don't think I've ever meshed with a group of people more than I did with the people I, I met at Nike. It's just, I can't really put my finger on it. The place drove me crazy. The place stressed me out. But that place brought me a lot of blessings. I met I met the love of my life there. I met lifelong friends there. I met family there. You know what I'm saying? Like people that I've grown to appreciate, like that come over my house, like that I go to their cribs, I stay over. You know what I'm saying? Like just friends forever. And to that, I, I owe that building a lot. I shat on that building for a long time. You know, I have a lot of 
issues that I've held on to a lot of grudges, but being in that building and seeing shoes come in and, and legit getting excited. I mean, like, yo, guys, I'm talking like giddy, giddy, like, oh, shit, the truck is here. What we got? And then seeing something come out the box, it's like, yo, that's I, I never would have thought I would see shoes in my hands. Jordan 1's fresh out the box. The Yin Yang one separately on two occasions. Phone posits coming in my house, in my in my hand. Flynet Air Maxes. Just dope-ass shoes. Just, I, I mean, I really can't express it. And then we get first dibs when people return shoes from ordering them online. Like, let's say the Jordan 11's. Or should I say those those thirteens that dropped those those black and red those black and yellow thirteens, when those joints came out right, um, more than likely when people got them received and then or, or should I say when people ordered them and they got them in the house, they would bring it back to Nike because it didn't fit them and they didn't like the image online or they bought it for somebody it didn't fit. We would get first crack. It was awesome. Yo, I'm returning these. Everybody, yo, footwear, check this out. And like everybody, I'm talking like we would have five, six, seven, eight people in footwear running up to Cash Wrap to go take a look at who returned. Hey, yo, Kev, these is yours. These is like got a size 10. Or like, yo, Jerry, these are size 11 and a half. Yo, Robbie, size 12. You know what I'm saying? It was just, it was communication. Everybody looked out for everybody. Unfortunately, I got one of the most common sizes in the world. So a lot of people were fighting for size 10s. But, you know, I had connections in certain places at Cash Wrap. I had connections with management, shout out to my dog Fred who's looked out a couple of times, you know, putting some shoes aside for me, um, but it's the point, sneakers run thick, that friendship, those bonds, those relationships are forever, like, because of shoes, obviously, there's other things that outline those friendships, and, like, there's deeper roots than just sneakers, but it's, like, there's a foundation from working in footwear, or because of the sneaker conversation that I have met a lot of friends, and, you know, I could just, I could rattle off a few shoes that I copped there that I definitely shouldn't have. Like I mentioned a few seconds ago, I, f- I got Flynet Air Maxes. For those of you that don't know, um, the Air Max unit, the, the bubble on the bottom of the shoe that surrounds it, those are Air Maxes. And then Flynet is like um, light material, almost looks like sewn strings. They have like Flynet free runs and free runs, like Flynets and shit like that. They put that light material on an Air Max because Air Maxes were too heavy. So they, they made it a, a lighter running shoe. Right, those are normally about one ninety. The factory store prices were one twenty nine or one forty nine ninety nine or whatever. The second I saw it hit the shelf, I was like, "Wait a second, that's like sixty dollars under retail." My friend Edgar, shout out to my boy Edgar, one of the first friends I made at Nike. Also, along with Chris Marquez, uh, I've shouted Marquez out multiple times. My dog, um, legit. Uh, what was it? Edgar said, yo, don't cop those. And I said, nah, bro, you crazy. Those are $60. Those aren't going to stay there. He said, yo, bro, I'm telling you, nobody in their right mind is going to come to a factory store and blow 130 other than the traveling European or somebody on vacation or somebody from Naples that has money. And he's like, I promise you these are going to sit here. And I'm pretty sure it was like the middle of summertime, so it was dead season. What did Kevin do? He ain't listen. And Kev copped. And then Kev saw the price go down. To one hundred nine ninety nine, one hundred dollars, eighty nine dollars, and I said, "Damn, I really copped." And I wore them already. I'm one of those people. I don't like returning shoes when I wear them because I don't like being the person that buys a return, unless it's like a try on. Like I had worn them to class. I had worn them to go to work. Like I just when I was at when I was at Nike, and a lot of people can atone to this. When you buy a shoe. A lot of people like to wear it on their next shift, and depending on the shoe, you even switch and wear it for the rest of your shift. I know I did that for a lot, but 
those Air Maxes, I, I copped, I wore, I saw the price go down, and then my friend Edgar kept jabbing me. He was like, yo, I told you. Yo, I told you. Yo, Kev, look, I'm on the hash wall. The hash wall is the back clearance wall with an additional 20% off, and I already had my 30% off. So the 30% off knocked that $30 off, so I got those $190 shoes for $99. They ended up hitting the wall, and they were stickered at $89.97 or $89.99 plus 20 and plus 30. People were copying $190 shoes for like $45. I had to learn that lesson a couple of times. The only shoes you pull the trigger on are like release shoes like Jordans or like SBs or like shoes that come out online and then they get returned. Those are the shoes you pull the trigger on because those are the shoes you know won't make it because you have to put the returns at the register so people can buy high priced, high volume shoes. If it's sitting in footwear, odds are, like I said, if it's not a premium item, it's going to sit there and you can afford to wait. I got plenty of shoes here that I've copped for less than $20 that are well over $100 worth retail. I copped a pair of free run commuters for, what was it? I think the sticker was $19.97 plus my $20 plus, plus my 30% and another $30. It was like $11. $10. I've copped shoes for $25 at like $140. It's just, it's insane. Just the, the deals you can get at a factory store. Mind you, hit and miss. You can go to a factory store in Fort Lauderdale in Miami because there's more foot traffic. There's more sales there and they're going to have a lot more rarer shoes or, or a lot more popular items. And our store in Little Fort Myers gets them on the rare occasion only off a return or an accidental shipment or samples. But I've been to stores in Delaware and they had some heat there and a random ass little store in Delaware. They had some fire ass Air Max 95s fire. I found them with my girl. I didn't pull the trigger because I was like, yo, I don't need to spend the money. But it was the point. Legitimately, sneakers are incredible. I go to sneaker cons. I go to sneaker uh, events, shows. Um, I brought my girl, actually, believe it or not, to a sneaker con in one of the first couple of weeks or first couple of months we were together officially. And she loved it. And now she's got like her her little collection blowing up with, like I want to say, like 13, 14, 15 shoes or something like that. And, and, and she likes it. And she sends me pictures of sneakers. Yo, babe, these are dope. Uh, babe, I really like these. And sometimes, you know, when I have a little bit of money, I'm able to splurge and spoil her with whatever I can because I want her to, to catch up to me eventually and hopefully surpass me. It's not going to happen. But, you know, I can, I can aim high. It's the point. I love sharing that happiness. And seeing her when we, when we got her Jordan 1s at SneakerCon, she was happy as hell. I got my Royals over there at SneakerCon in Fort Lauderdale. Incredible. Like, to be around that atmosphere, to be around the culture of sneakers, what's coming out, what's trending, what technologies are coming, who's sponsoring who, uh, what celebrity is going to be here next, what celebrity is going to guest star coming in on, the on like, the Zoom channel or whatever call that they were doing on the conferences over there. They always have, like, guest celebrities there, guest speakers they always have player edition shoes, like not for sale, but just to show like what's coming for schools like UNC, obviously, where Jordan went to college, University of North Carolina, for those of you that are unaware, my favorite uh, NCAA basketball team since I was a kid. They have obviously a lifetime permanent contract with Jordan, any color, any uh, any Jordan they want, pretty much they get. They have their whole line from Jordan 1 all the way to Jordan 34. They can wear whichever ones they feel like or whichever ones are available. Um, they had the player edition Jordan 4s, or the, the player edition UNC 4s, and 3s. Sexy. University of Florida, they got a recent contract with Jordan. 
They had the Florida Gator threes and fours and the ones. Stupid fire. Unnecessary. Michigan, another contract. Oklahoma, another contract. They had those player additions. And the list goes on and on. Sneaker Con, you see shoes in person. Sometimes, if you're lucky enough, in your hand that you thought you'd never see in real life. There's a pair of shoes that are worth $15,000, right? They're called the Nike Air Mags. For those of you, again, that are unaware and uncultured and are living under a rock, those are the shoes from Back to the Future where they lace themselves. $15,000. Those are at SneakerCon in a box. The OVO Collaboration Jordan 12s in a box. $1,000 right there. Boom. Never worn dead stock. Dead stock meaning never worn, never touched. You know what I'm saying? Right out the box. Just straight beautiful. I've seen countless shoes. I've seen the OG original uh, Space Jams from 2000. Beautiful. A couple thousand dollars. Dornbacher. The line of shoes that are made that kids get to design that are like terminally ill or like very sick in cancer hospitals. They've collaborated the company Dornbacher with Nike, with Jordan. And they are the kids that design the shoes and they win the competition. That shoes get that shoe gets released or created. Dornbacher sixes before they were retro couple G's. Dornbacher 4, Superman 4. I could do this all fucking day. They are just... They, they, they get me excited. They get me happy. Just seeing them in person. Seeing the reveal. Seeing the, the, the upcoming sneakerheads calendar with my dad in the living room on the iPad or on the laptop or on the TV of what's coming in the year. The forecast, as we like to call it in the house. The forecast of what's to come for, the, for, for kicks of the year. I love it. And me and my dad got two different tastes of kicks. Me and my dad and my brother got three different tastes and kicks. But if we can all sit down and be like, yeah, we like that. Nah, we don't like that. Yo, I like the leather on this one. Yo, I don't like the design on this one. Yo, I wish this one was a different color. Yada, 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 blah, 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 blah. My dad and my brother do custom shoes. They paint. They re-edit. I, my dad gave me his first custom pair, South Beach 6s. Promise you, you can't find them unless someone did it in a different colorway. Again, when I get my Twitch, I'll be able to show my collection off when I get... A YouTube, and when this gets a little bigger, I'll be able to. Maybe when I do the shop episode at the barbershop, I'll be able to show off a little bit of kicks. But until then, you know, people are just going to have to look it up by word of mouth. My shoe collection isn't uh, quality because I wear all of mine. I only have about maybe four dead stock shoes left out of 150 something. And that's saying something because I used to have 11 or something. But I started realizing in Florida. Like my dad always tells me with the humidity out here and with the condensation of them staying in the boxes and all that kind of stuff and the temperature change, shoes don't last that long if they're older. Because, you know, let's be honest, the older we get, or should I say the newer shoes are, the cheaper they're made. Like anything else, just like cars. Cars used to be tanks and now cars are made of almost entirely plastic. Same goes with sneakers. If they can cut a little bit of money here, save a couple of cents here, use a little bit of a cheaper material here and mass produce it, they'll do it. It's funny. Shoes continue to go up, but the quality of the shoe continues to go down. I remember when retros were like 150 or 140 for Jordans in a men's size. Now they're almost up to 200. And for Jordan 11s, they're 220. It's it's wild. I just, you know, but we still gonna cop them though. <laughs> it's never gonna end. So, I mean, I know a lot of people ask me personally 
multiple people over the years, what's your favorite shoe of all time? And if I'm going to be honest, since I was younger, it's going to be the Bread 13, Jordan 13. It's going to be the Jordan 13 Bread colorway, black and red. But not this past drop that came out in 2018 or 2017. I'm going to say the 2012 release. Jordan 13 Bread. I can't remember. Bread 13 releases. 2017 was when they dropped recently, but I want to say the model right before them. I can't remember. It's it's the point like it like so Jordan like I said has models one through thirty four and then a million other uh, different side variety shoes that have come out, but what we call retro. So when the shoe comes out, that same colorway comes out again years in the future. So a lot of his shoes came out in 85, would come out again in 91 or 95, and then come out in 2006. Certain shoes have only been retroed a very, very, very small amount of times. And then there are shoes that are continuously being re-retroed and are fucking annoying. Um, the Carmine 6s are one of them. The Fire Red 4s are one of them. The Bread 11s are one of them. You know what I'm saying? Like they just, They're continuously overplayed and overdone, and it's like, yo... The value of the originals continue to drop, or yeah, drop because there are so many retros that people can get their hands on and don't want to spend money on the originals because they're also not going to last as long. So, again, I would say overall as a design, the Bread Thirteen is my favorite Jordan of all time. Uh, my favorite sneaker of all time would probably have to be the Air Max Uptempos. If anyone has ever seen George of the Jungle, this is how I quantify and explain them to people when george of the jungle came out it was like 1997 or something like that it was like four or five or like three or four and when george of the jungle was sent in a box over and back came back to africa and he was running he came out of the box with the nike up tempos it says air along the side of the shoe black and white i have the 2016 release dead stock under my bed right now and they're like five fifty six hundred dollars never worn not once and they're coming out again supposedly at the end of this year probably gonna buy them i have the up tempos in about five different colors i have the new york city edition i have them in beige i have the female chrome edition i have the dead stock ones and i have another one I can't remember the other color that I... Oh, and I have the Chicago colorway in white, black, and red. And I'm the elusive Olympic pair I continue to pass on because every time it's restocked, it's at a time where I'm saving or at a time where I have no goddamn money. But the point of the matter is all of these shoes can be looked up. You can rewind. You can you can backtrack. You can ask me in the comments. In my comments, I mean on Instagram, you can check out that page again, 104, 6, and 1. Spell out the 6, spell out the and. The numbers 104 and the number 1 at the end of and 1. Um, check me out, man. Check it out. Uh, if anybody wants me to post some of the shoes, I can definitely post them on the page. If anybody wants to see some of the collection, I can definitely post them up there and just, you know, get your mind rattling, get your mind thinking. Am I going to spend money on shoes? I know a lot of people out here specifically are like, 
oh my god, tennis shoes for over fifty dollars. That's ridiculous. I swear to God, I've never met more of a cheap individual than I uh, than I have when I worked at Dick's. People are just like a hundred dollars for a tennis shoe. Y- yes, sir. Why? I can buy this thirty dollar pair right here. Yeah, but you'll be back in a month because the shoe hurts or, or the shoe's not going to last. Well, I'll take two and I'll see you in three months. Okay. Like, people's logic here make no damn sense. I swear to God. Like, it just, it makes me laugh. Again, it has nothing to do with Florida in itself. Maybe it's just the people in the area. It's the point, I swear, I feel like when I talk to somebody about sneakers that are trying to better themselves... I feel like the adult in a lot of situations. I feel like the old man because it's always an older person trying to better their condition of their feet or because they're snowbirds or because they only have one pair of shoes and they can't continue to wear for every attire or every function, and I just laugh. But educating someone with, with shoes or, or helping someone you know get better because their feet are hurting or trying to find the right shoe for someone's kid just makes me happy because sneakers just, I don't know. They really, again, they just make me happy. They put a smile on my face. I would say the most comfortable shoe in the world would be Adidas Ultra Boost. They've been around for some time now. I don't remember the exact origin date, but I know they've been around since I was in college. They are the most comfortable shoes, hands down. Adidas really is blowing Nike out of the water, in my personal opinion. In that regard, because of how soft they are and the Boost technology that they use, I mean... I could wear my Ultra Boosts all day long, right? I could go to Disney in my Ultra Boosts. I could wear my most comfortable Nikes and my feet are going to hurt. Actually, scratch that. I have a pair of Pegasus Turbos, Pegasus 35 Turbos, or 36 Turbos. I forget which year. And those are the closest thing to them. Those are a combination of Zoom and React technology. I'm not going to get into that. It's going to take way too long to comprehend for those of you that don't know sneakers. Besides, majority of you that don't know sneakers probably stopped listening 35 minutes ago. But, yeah, the most comfortable shoe is for sure Adidas Ultra Boost. I got Isabella a pair of those. She loves them. She says they're super soft. She needs a new pair. Godap is trying my fucking feelings right now because I ordered Isabel the wrong size, which was on me. I tried to get that returned to me. They ended up giving me a credit. Long story short, used that credit to buy a pair of shoes. The shoe came with no fucking shoe box. And then Goat tried to tell me when I returned it because they didn't send the label that I couldn't return it because there was no proof that it was theirs. Makes perfect sense, right? Yeah. Anyway, but those are those are my passions. Those Those are the shoes that I love. Mind you, all three of those right there are three different, um, I guess, brands. Jordan is used to be its own entity, but now it's owned by Nike. But, you know, I got my my J fetish, I got my Nike fetish, and then I got my Adidas fetish. But I, I can really go on and on and on. I mean, really, if we're going to continue to go on the comfort bandwagon, I would say the Yeezys are right behind the Ultra Boost because it still uses Boost technology, the Yeezy 350s. I got the Statics, and those are the only Yeezys that I have as of as of now. I have been trying to do some research to cop some of the clouds for my girl. I wanted a pair of the clouds for myself. She wants the triple whites. She's obsessed with white. But those shoes right there, I mean, like the 350s, everyone's telling me they're releasing too many colorways. I'm here for it. I love having different colors for different outfits. And I don't mean mainstream colors either. Black, white, red, blue. 
they're coming out with a lot of like lighter random colors like such cool colorways like there's this clay pair that's just like completely clay driven with like an orange bottom gorgeous there's this hyper color that's like neon green with like blue lettering fire there's a pair of like maroon colored yeezys like pasty like uh off-white colored yeezys you you name it they got it and it's just dope you know what I'm saying? I love having options. I'm one of those people, if I find a shoe amazing, like the Uptempos or the uh, or the Ultra Boost or the Yeezys, I'll buy a million colors because I love the shoe itself. I don't give a shit what anybody says. I got colors and options for days. I got matching polos, polo tees. I got matching Nike shirts, not with the Adidas, obviously, because that's cross-branding. And if you do that, I mean, I've done it when I had to, you know, just grabbing something and going. But for the most part, I try to match the whole outfit. And at 26, a little sad, you know, that I'm still holding on to those traditions that I have from New York. But I'll never let it go. I like looking good. And my girl likes when I look good. So for that, you know, that ain't never going to stop. There's no better feeling than the right fit and a shape up for a dude. Period. If I got a haircut and I'm going out the next day, going out the next night, I'm making sure the whole fit look right. Because then I just feel like a whole new man. Women love saying there's nothing better than... Fresh sheets, a glass of wine, and like, you know, your shaved legs or whatever the saying goes for a man, in my opinion, fresh sheets, a fresh shape up, and your kicks and your outfit ready for the next day. Peace of mind. You don't got to worry about tomorrow. You don't got to worry about right now. You're all clean and ready to go. Like that, that funny image that people get of... Of people in middle school planning out their outfits for the first day of school. And they like sleep on one corner of the bed. And then they have their whole fit laid out. I've done it. I'm guilty of it. I have no regrets. No shame. All of us have. The first day of school. First day of camp. First day of work. You always want to make sure you look great. Make a statement. Kudos to my pops for saying that. Because I've, I've, I live and abide by first impressions. Gotta look good at all times. So. Yeah. That's my sneaker addiction. That's my sneaker passion. That's where it comes from. You heard a little bit of tippets, some tidbits and some stories. Uh, in other news, the Phoenix Suns are 6-0 and in the bubble. Devin Booker is a machine, 35 points in three quarters, and he didn't play the fourth. The Dallas Mavericks stole a game from the Utah Jazz, where Luka and KP and Dorian Finney-Smith did not play. But... Neither did Donovan Mitchell, and Rudy Gobert and Mike Conley did not play the second half. I don't care. We stole a win. We also stole a win from the best team in the NBA in Milwaukee. Luka Doncic had 36 points, 20 boards. No, Luka Doncic had 36 points, 20 rebounds. No, 19 assists and 14 boards in that game. And the game before that, he had like 34, 20, and 10. Uh, Luke is actually the youngest player in NBA history. I know I missed some stat facts last podcast episode since that was my surprise episode. But here's the one for you right now. Luka Doncic is the youngest player in NBA history to notch a 30, 20, and 10 game. The man had 34, 20, and 12 at 21 years old. And you know what he did the next game? He had 36, 14, and 19. Only LeBron James had 19 assists, like leading the NBA in assist total, like that, that year, this year. In in insane, the last seven points to take us into OT, and then we shot the lights out. 
Again, our style of play pisses me off because we live and die by the three. When we're hitting, I'm happy. When we're not, I'm not so happy. So, I mean, uh, baseball news, the Yankees ended up losing three out of four to the Rays. That uh, it pissed me off. Paxi was going seven strong, shut out. Then he gives up a two-run shot, and then he gives up a solo shot. Literally two pitches later, ties the game. We go to the bottom of the ninth. The Rays hit a walk-off in the last game. Garrett Cole only pitched four and two-thirds in a, I want to say, what was it? I don't even remember the score at that point, but at that, but but with that, we lost that game as well. I just, I don't I don't know what's going on. I was talking to my friend. Shout out to Aunt Barantes Barantes. I always forget how to pronounce your last name. Kayla's boyfriend, Kayla's man. Um, not my Kayla, another Kayla that I worked with, Kayla McGovern. Um, big shout out, big 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 Yankee fan. And we we were talking on Twitter back and forth about how much our pitching needs to change. And it just showed in Tampa. Uh, we were 8-1 and one about a week ago. We are now 10-6. and six. Frustrating. We lost three to the, the Rays. We lost two to the Phillies. And we need to get our fucking acts together, so help me God. And lighter news and great news, actually. The Astros continue to suffer. And they had an all-out brawl with, <laughs> with the A's. That is going to be something that is going to continue to happen. Somebody in the Astros dugout was mouthing off. One of the people on base for the A's did not take that very well. And he charged the dugout and that turned into an actual altercation like the Dodgers one. So I'm very curious to see how Manfred handles these suspensions because fists were actually fists were actually thrown. And so help me God, if it's less than eight games, I'm going to throw a fit because free goddamn Joe Kelly because he got eight games for nothing with no fists and words. Never gonna let that up. Never gonna let that go. But I, I figured I'd make up another stat because obviously I missed one last cast, and this stat actually kind of caught my guard, caught me off guard. It's from NFL Stats on Twitter. It's the quickest average time to throw in 2019, meaning quickest quarterback. I mean, excuse me, a quarterback to throw a ball the average of the quickest time. So he got rid of the ball in such and such seconds. He threw the ball in such and such seconds. So the first quarterback is Andy Dalton at 2.51 seconds. Now, some of these quarterbacks make me laugh because they may throw the ball quick and may get it out of their hands quickly, but their records don't show it. So just because you throw it quick and get it out of your hands doesn't mean that you made the right decision when you got rid of the ball. So Andy Dalton, obviously the Bengals had the worst record in the the NFL. Drew Brees, not a surprise. With the Saints being the way they run their offense, quick and, and efficient. Ryan Fitzpatrick of the Dolphins, their record showed. Phillip Rivers being rushed with no offensive line, and their record was terrible. Mitchell Trubisky making terrible decisions, turnovers being rushed. Jimmy Garoppolo having time in San Francisco, play action. Kyle Shanahan's a very quick ran offense. Uh, Matthew Stafford doing whatever he did to try to survive in Detroit. Their record did not show as well. Carson Wentz making do with whatever it is that he had out in Philly, leading the Eagles to an 8-8 eight eight record. Kyle Allen in Buffalo. No, excuse me. Kyle Allen. Kyle Allen. That was the backup that took over for Cam in Carolina. Their record obviously fell apart once they went, what, I think they won like five in a row, and then they lost like the rest of the season other than like one game. Kyler Murray doing what he did out there in Arizona. I think he's going to have a great year in 2.73 seconds. And then Tom Brady finding ways to get the ball out because of the way the Patriots ran their offense with 2.75 seconds. 
all of these are relatively within a 24 second span, a total of 24 seconds or 0.24 seconds. But I mean, again, to start from the top, Andy Dalton 251, Drew Brees 257, Ryan Fitzpatrick 261, Philip Rivers 263, Trubisky 264, Garoppolo 65, uh, Stafford 69. Wentz seven one, Kyle Allen seven one, Kyler Murray seven three, Tom Brady seven five. So again, a, a, a total missed window or a total window of point two four seconds of how fast the quarterbacks from top to bottom, or should I say, from the top to the bottom of the list, is insane. They got rid of the ball as fast as they possibly could, and a lot of their records did not show that efficiency. But it is what it is. Again, I wanted to give a big shout out to Masters Men's Grooming Service. They are going to be one of our first partners on the podcast. My first partner. I keep saying our, like I have a fucking team here. Like I'm sitting here and freaking, what's her name? Um, It's on Colin Cowher's show. Oh my God. Oh, Joy Taylor is going to sit here and, you know, be my hostess. Or I'm going to have freaking Chris Broussard featured in on on my computer and he's going to be my guest speaker. Hopefully one day we can have something like that. But for now, you know, Masters Men Grooming Service is going to be one of our first sponsors. Uh, Drew, my barber, for all your hair cuttering needs, go check them out. Great group of people over there. Uh, they just released a, a Instagram video of a facial, or should I say a, a fresh shave complete from head to toe hot towel, or not head to toe, from mustache to chin of completely comfort and shave i know drew's done that for me i speak from experience very comforting with the hot towel and the naples soap company that he sponsors with they are phenomenal over there um again for all your hair cuttery needs they do the facials they do the hair cutting they do the the, the trims and all and all that stuff that you need they do uh, manicures and pedicures they also do hot steam treatment they do s- some hair uh they do some hair treatments for those with like dry scalp and whatnot. So they really, really, really look out for you. And they're all about the customer. Uh, great vibe in the barbershop. TVs. Uh, they got a little sitting area. He definitely also does some side businesses in there. Selling some t-shirts. Uh, selling some Funko Pops that he just put out there. Very, very cool theme inside with the sports. As well as the comic book themes. So again, shout out to Masters Men's Grooming Service. Follow them on Instagram. Masters Grooming Service. And at the same time, you know, go check out their Snapchat. Uh, Go hit up my boy Drew if you need a haircut. If you need anything out there, uh, I would gladly, gladly pass along his information. Hopefully be working with them in the near future. Uh, Big shout out, like I said earlier, to Danny for reaching out and doing what he did and saying what he said to me. Big bro, I promise you, you can do it. You can do anything you put your mind to. I'm out here talking about nonsense. Look at me. I just made an episode about my sneakers and where my sneaker addiction came from. You definitely have a lot more stories. <laughs> you definitely have a little bit more of an interesting life still being at home and doing what you're doing. I promise you, you can do it. I guarantee you can do it, actually. And, you know, I just really wanted to say thank you for what you said. And my last shout out is going to go to my immediate circle, my group of guys. They called me out on it the other day, and I realized that I shouted out a lot of people's Twitch, and I didn't even shout out my team's Twitch. So me and my friends, Ricky, AJ, and Nick, we play Call of Duty, Destiny, 2K all together. And we play it pretty much almost every day together. And we decided to make a YouTube page. We call it Rank. 
Ricky, AJ, Nick, and Kevin rank. Actually, it sounded pretty cool, right? Made YouTube videos about a year ago. Kind of fell off. When quarantine hit, we were like, yo, let's start it back up. Like, we don't really have anything else to do. Posted videos on YouTube. We have an Instagram page. And then we also have our Twitch. The Twitch is something we recently started because we were realizing that people were going away from the social media portion of it since Twitch was kind of blowing up since we're all kind of stuck inside. And it is official rank on Twitch along with, you know, we play with our friend Skio, our friend Dawson, and I just wanted to shout out that group of people. Um, those three guys have had my back since I got to Florida. Those three guys are a big part of my success with the podcast and a big support of, part of the success of, of of me achieving what I've achieved. The support, you know, advice, feedback, everything that they do, always listen to the episodes, whether or not Rick wants to take three weeks to listen um, whether or not Nick forgets that the podcast episodes come out, you know, it, it is what it is. I'm just busting your chops. Um, follow us on Twitch, like, and subscribe to our videos. Uh, it's always great content. We're always laughing. We're always joking. We're always trying to tell funny stories. Uh, a lot of the times it does get a little serious when we play COD, Nick and Rick. Um, funnily, jokingly, actually, we were playing, I want to say a couple of days ago. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with Warzone for COD. Uh, when you die, you go to the Gulag, which is a place where you have to go one-on-one with another player to come out for free. And if Rick dies before he has enough kills and he doesn't make it out of the Gulag, Rick doesn't give a shit how far we go in the game. He don't want to get bought back because he's worried about his KD. Mind you, me and Nick can make it to the last circle, right? And if Rick don't feel like coming back, he'd be like, nah, buy a UAV. He goes, I won't fuck up my KD. We could win the game and get the dub. But Ricky's so focused on his KD, he don't give two flying fucks about the damn game. And then Nick just, you know, like a lot of people, he gets upset with raging and then gets frustrated and he breaks controllers and Nick has a little bit of a temper. But it's totally fine. I just get scolded like a five-year-old because I make stupid decisions and run out three on one and I die and then I get upset and then they get upset and then I don't want to play anymore (laughs) Call of Duty gets on everybody's nerves but yeah shout out to those three man shout out to the page shout out to them supporting me so you know go follow us on YouTube go follow us on Instagram go uh go like and subscribe and follow us on Twitch again that's official rank uh capital R-A-N-K with that being said episode 10 in the books I really do appreciate love and support I really do appreciate all the love and support up to this point. Can't believe 10 episodes have come and gone this quick. And I am excited to continue to make more. I promise content will get better. I promise that the equipment will get there with guest speakers and with everything coming in the pipeline for, you know, hopefully going to get some shirts and some some hats, maybe some, some official logos, products for my girl, painting a couple of things for me. But I am looking forward to getting everything out there as soon as humanly possible. And I hope to see you guys next week, man. Thank you for all the love and support again. We'll be back. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Ravelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to electricast.com and join our community today. 
Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electricast production. Electricast.